0: God's at work. God's at work.
1: place. God, just like today's message and today's title, grace is here. When we gather in the banner of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your grace is here with us. It is because of your grace, it is because of the atonement of the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, one and only Son, who took our place, and it is because of his amazing grace that we are able to have life and life to the full heavenly father we are grateful not just for the secondary third things the worldly things but we're grateful for the main thing which is the salvation that is found in jesus christ from having a relationship with you thank you god that i am saved through faith in jesus christ it is not by my works what i have done what i have not done but simply by trusting in your name, and holding on your name, the name of everlasting life. So God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of the hearts of your beautiful children here today who are listening, may it may be pleasing your sight, oh God, for Lord, you, we declare today, not just with our voices, but with all of our hearts, that you are our rock our Savior, the Messiah, the one who is and who is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the author and the Perfect of our faith. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, Let me pray. and God's people, pray, amen and amen. Welcome back to our second Sunday service after Easter. It's a joy to be here in the house of the Lord, to be able to worship together and to be able to sing songs of praise and to worship him in spirit and in truth. Just remember that you are victorious in Christ, that you are beautiful, you're a child of God. Don't forget your identity of who you are and whose you belong to, whose you are. You belong to God, the author and the perfecter of your life. So let's pray that our hearts will truly be open in today's message and that we'll be receptive to what the Lord has in store for us today. For today, it's gonna be a short message, but it's gonna be a special message and it's gonna speak to our hearts. And I pray that your hearts will be open and really receive the truth of the word of God. I pray that you won't have a heart of stone where you are hardened, I pray that you'll have good soil today to receive the seeds of faith, the word of God here today, so that you may be transformed here on today and forever for the remaining days that you have here on this earth. The title of today's message is called Grace is Here. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Grace is Here? Grace is Here. Our main passage for here today, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. And the title says, Paul's vision and his thorn. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to the paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I'll be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, other words, arrogant, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That three times pleading is like Jesus pleading in the garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it is your will, may this cup be taken away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Just like Christ, when he prayed that prayer, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, given him all the empowerment to endure the cross, to endure the shame, to endure the injustice. Just like Paul, it was given to him And it is the grace of God that gives us the strength to endure. Just like the thorns in our lives, I just want to remind you here today, it is because of the grace of God that you are able to endure through all the torment, through all the opposition, through all the oppression, through all the attacks of the enemy, you are able to endure. Verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. And amen. We see Paul here is a very humble individual. There are two ways when a person talks about themselves in third person either they're very arrogant and they're a fool, or They're very humble. And in this case, Paul, he is very humble. He's talking about himself when he's talking about a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven where he saw the vision of God, the heaven of God. It is talking about himself. And Paul here, he's not boasting in himself. He's not boasting in his accomplishments, which he can. He's one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. He did amazing things for the things of God. He wrote most of the New Testament, and God used them in such an abundant and a powerful way. He was able to boast, but he does not boast about his strength. He doesn't boast about his accomplishments, but what does he do? He boasts about his weaknesses. He boasts about the thorn that was given to him, a messenger of Satan to torment him. Three times he pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but this is what Christ said in response to Paul's request. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is not, God, take this pain away from my life, but Lord, give me more grace to endure the pain, to endure the suffering, to endure the struggle, I pray, God, that you empower me through the grace that is given through your son, Jesus Christ, to help me to endure this life, especially when I feel I have no strength, when no one is standing with me. And we see the complete opposite in scripture where we see people like the rich young ruler, the rich young man. We see people like the pharaoh, We see people like Judas, we see people like Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, where they lied to the apostles. How arrogant, how prideful they were to lie to the Holy Spirit. These individuals, they walked away from the truth. They walked away from the grace that was so readily available for them. And they chose, they chose, they made that decision on their own. No one forced them. They chose to live their lives in rebellion. In rebellion, when I say in rebellion, away from God, not obedient. Everything opposite of obedience is rebellion. Going against what God wants you to do, and you choose to do what you want to do. They chose to walk away from grace that was so readily available for them. Take a look at how these individuals responded. Look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 13. Talking about Pharaoh here. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. It is not God that hardened Pharaoh's heart, but Pharaoh's heart was at a point of no return. His heart was too hardened for everything, all the blessing all the grace of God would just bounce back. He was not able to receive the grace of God. Through Moses, the Egyptians, that was God's grace to them. It wasn't just grace to the Israelites, the slaves, who were under oppression, wrongly treated. It wasn't just for them. It was also for the Egyptians as well. But yet Pharaoh's heart became hard. And he will not listen, and the rest of the Egyptians will follow. Mark 10, verse 22, this is talking about the young rich ruler. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. When you encounter God, you do not walk away sad. When you encounter Jesus Christ, you cannot walk away sad unless you choose to reject him. He chose his wealth, his worldly things, his worldly wishes, his worldly dreams. Therefore he walked away sad, his face fell. John 13, verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, this is the Passover meal, which represents the story of Jesus. In John 6, where he's talking about, eat my flesh, eat my blood, drink my blood. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. This is after the washing of the feet of the disciples. After Jesus washed the dirtiest part of the disciples' body part, the feet. And what does he do? He spits in the face of Jesus. He gives him the kiss of betrayal. And he says, as soon as Judas had taken the bread. He went out, which means it's a symbolic imagery of walking away from Jesus Christ. And it was night. Night represents darkness. Darkness is where evil prevails. He went into Satan's domain. That's what it means. And lastly, let's look at Acts 5, verse 1 through 11. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It says, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sought a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet, meaning they were in it together. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept? For yourself, some of the money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Same thing as Mark 10 with the man, his face Fell, falling, going into the night, is a very bad symbol in the scripture. Fell face down, unless it's a symbol of humility, of bowing down and falling down at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here in this case, it's the complete opposite. He fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. When it comes with God, there's always two twofold, two sides of the coin. Whether you are fearful of him, afraid of him, because he is this distant God, Yes, we should be afraid of him, but there's the other side of the coin where we fear him, meaning we revere him because we love him, because he is for us and not against us. When you stand against the living God, the almighty God, you'll stand in fear, meaning afraid, before the judgment of God, and there is no hope for you. And this is where grace comes in. This is where grace comes And here's a reality check for you and for me. And I want you to understand what grace is today. I don't want you to go another year, another month, another day, another week, not understanding what grace is. When I first understood grace, it was for me at the age of 16. Somebody was praying for me. And the prompting of the Holy Spirit led me to understand what grace meant. Not here. I mean, I knew it here. And I knew I wasn't wasn't living my life under the full grace of God because I couldn't forgive myself, right? A lot of times we think that we are forgiven by God, but we're filled with guilt and remorse of our past, and you can't forgive yourself. And when you can't forgive yourself, that means grace is not fully at work in your life. It's like me saying, God, my feeling, and how I feel, and how I think, and how I judge myself is greater than what you say, what the scripture says about me. When it says you are forgiven, you are forgiven. It is the grace of God that overcomes, that overcomes whatever we're feeling here today. That it is not about how I feel, or what I think about myself, or me forgiving myself. But because I've been forgiven, I am forgiven, period, and that is it. Nothing more, nothing less. And grace brings reality check in our lives. And here is a reality check. Let's all turn to First John chapter 1, verse 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we we'll deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Here's a reality check. We are all sinners. And we must not deceive ourselves, or else the truth is not in us. No one in this world is a person with full integrity. No one can save themselves. No one is perfect, for we are all sinners since birth, from the beginning. We are all sinners. Romans 3, 10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one Psalm 14, verse 1 says, Only fools say in their hearts, There is no God, they are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. And the truth and the reality is, and it is because we are sinners, it is because we are human beings, and because we are not perfect, we're in a desperate need of a Savior, the Scripture reminds us. And that's where grace comes in. To rescue us to save us, to redeem us, to take my place where sin equals death, where I deserve death and eternal in hell, but Christ came to rescue me, and that's where grace comes in, and that's what grace means. Today, as we're here sitting in our seats, listening, may we not reject the grace of Jesus Christ, for his grace is here. When Peter asked Ananias and Sapphira the question, it is God's grace for them to answer correctly. When God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? That is God's grace upon Adam and Eve. It was their chance to come clean before God, to come honest before God. God doesn't ask us the question, where are you, what are you doing? Not because he doesn't know the answer. He knows everything inside of us. He knows your thoughts. He knows your fears. He knows your dreams. He knows what you did. He knows what you're doing. He knows everything inside out. There's nothing that can be hidden from the presence of God. May we not reject the grace of Jesus Christ here today. God's grace is the good news of the gospel. The good news, what's the good news? That he took my place. He died for me on the cross. My sins and my debts are forgiven. His grace, closely tied to his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his kindness, his blessings, the kindness and the benevolence of our Savior to the unworthy. We do not deserve grace. You and I, we do not deserve grace, but it has been given to us, for we are all sinners, for we all fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. To give you an imagery of what grace is, You commit a crime. You could commit any crime. Let's say you steal candy, steal a car, Ronnie's car, his new car. You steal it. And then you get caught and you're facing the judge. You're standing before a good judge, not a corrupt judge, but a kind and a patient and a loving judge. You know you're guilty. There's no excuses for the crime that you committed. And the judge, he's a fair judge, and he fairly sentences you for punishment that you committed and that you fully deserve. And then, all of a sudden, as you're about to enter the jail cell, the kindness of the judge, the kindness of the Savior comes into the picture, and he takes your hand, takes your shoulder. He gives you a hug. And as he hugs you, he lifts you up, This big judge, and he turns 180 and lets you go. He says, walk. He says, you're free, and I will take your place. The punishment that you deserve, I will go ahead and take the place of punishment. That, my friends, is the picture of the kindness of our judge, the kindness of our Savior, where he comes and he takes our place scripture makes it very clear psalm 51 verse 5 surely i was sinful at birth sinful from the time my mother conceived me david understood that he was has been and will always be a sinner if it wasn't for the grace of god so grace says god takes our place Mercy is less punishment, less sentence. So grace goes even deeper where he takes our place. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People are blinded. The God of this age is Satan, he's talking about the prince of this world. He blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the truth, so that they cannot believe, so that they cannot have the light of the gospel. Gospel means the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the good news of Jesus Christ. But here is our great hope and here is our great answer and here is our great joy. You ready? Romans three, twenty-three to 26. It reminds us again and again that we are sinners, lost without the grace of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I want to read that just one more time, because sometimes we hear it often. It goes whew, over our head. It's like a story that I heard of a pastor, a new pastor that came into this congregation, and he said, John 3:16, for so God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And then he walked away from the podium. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I guess next week he'll give us a message, and Week after that, same thing. John three sixteen. Can we all turn to John three sixteen For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And then he walked away again. And they're like, oh, interesting. What is this? Are we in Groundhog's Day? <laughs> like, Groundhog's Week? Like, what's going on? Are we repeating again? And then he comes again, again, and again. And then all of a sudden, after a while, a tear starts forming in the back because they finally realize the true meaning of what John 3.16 was. And then it's like the scene from Stand By Me where he gives a story about the barf. Everyone starts barfing. It just starts rubbing off on the person next and the Holy Spirit starts to move and the whole church Was in a movement of repentance and humility. So let us just listen to it one more time. Romans 3 23 to 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It is a gift did not earn it. You cannot work for it. It is free. It is available for all. Every human being. It was available to Pharaoh. It was available to Judas. It was available to the rich young ruler, the rich young man. It was available to Ananias and Sapphira. It was available to them. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies. Those are the words of a judge, a good judge, those who have faith in Jesus. Those who have faith in Jesus. That is our great answer. That is our great hope. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But what is it? The gift of God. It is free. The grace of God is free. It is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. May we not spit on the free gift of our Savior. If you receive a gift for your graduation, don't expect any gifts from us. But when you do happen to receive a gift, what would you do with it? (laughs) When there's meaning, especially from the person who is giving it to you. We dare not treat it with dirt and treat it casually. You protect it. You cherish it. For it is priceless. I have two short main points for us. Point number one. This may be controversial, but it is the truth. And church Pastors, they need to preach on this more often than not. Ready? His grace is available for all, but sadly, not to all. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to. Who? All. All people. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And who is the God of this present age in this world? It is Satan. It is the grace of God that comes and that separates us from living the same way as worldly people do it allows us to say no to sin to ungodliness to worldly passions and to live self-control upright and godly lives in this present age for any season whatever year the past the present the future the grace of god it offers salvation for you and for me. And when I say this, His grace is available for all, but sadly not to all. What I mean by that, only for those who yearn for it, who accept it in faith in through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is no other way than to receive this through faith in Jesus Christ. Sub points here. Letter A, for the believer. Letter B, for the sinner. Letter C, for the humble. If you fall under any of these categories, that is good news. There is hope for you yet. If you're a believer, you have the grace of Jesus Christ. If you are a sinner there is grace of our Lord Jesus Christ available for you. And for the humble, the grace of God will be given more and more to the one who has humility. Romans 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you out, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. James 4, 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes those who are filled with pride, but shows favor to the humble. Each of the individuals The characters I mentioned in the beginning, the rich young ruler, the man, Pharaoh, Judas, Ananias, and Sapphira, they show not humility, but pride. Therefore, grace bounced back. He gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Grace cannot be given to the hardened heart, for the blasphemed heart, for the unbelieving heart. And that, my friends, is the truth of the gospel. His grace is available for all, but sadly, not to all, for they will choose, they will choose. Your family members will choose. Your friends will choose. The person out on the street driving right now, the car that you see, they will choose to harden their heart and not believe. And they will have a blasphemed heart, an unbelieving heart. And that is a truth. That is a reality, the harsh reality of the truth of the gospel. His grace is available for all, but sadly, not to all. Point number two, and I'm closing with this. In his grace, embrace the thorns. In his grace, embrace the thorns. Going back to what Paul was saying, in 2 Corinthians 12. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, being prideful, arrogant, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. As Christian men and women of God, we all have thorns. No one can escape the storm. Paul had it, Jacob had it, David had it, etc., etc, etc. Each and every man and woman of God had thorns. And they had one thing in common in the midst of their thorns. They had His grace, the grace, the unending grace that is so readily available for you they had the grace of Jesus Christ. And in this case with Paul, it may have been a physical illness, we're not sure, but it seems more like a spiritual attack, a messenger of Satan. Just like when we had attacks to our ministry. Just like sometimes when our physical body doesn't follow us accordingly like my hands skin rips easy and gets weak and i know why i have it because i like to do things with my hands but god is teaching me to study and to dive in his word and to trust in him that's why we have ronnie do all the heart now i he doesn't really do much if you feel his hands he has baby skin whatever those thorns may be, may we rely on His grace today, for His grace is sufficient for us, for His power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore may we always say, that is the reason why I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Jacob, David, Paul, Jacob, his name was heel grabber, deceiver, a liar. But when he encounters and wrestles with the living God, his whole name changes. Name represents your being, your identity. His whole being changes. His name goes from Jacob, a heel grabber, a deceiver, and then he goes to Israel, which means God's people, the people of God. Pre-God encounter, Jacob would steal his brother's inheritance. He would trick, and therefore he was tricked into marrying the wrong person. Everything that he does is done in pride and in fear and in distress. Everything he does is done in his own wisdom, in his own power. He uses and abuses the power of prayer for his own personal gain, like a genie, a magical genie, a suck-up method. But when he comes and he wrestles with the living God, and we all need to wrestle with the living God, and when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are all left with thorns to remind us of how finite we are, of how weak we are, so that we don't grow proud if we are strong, then there is no need of a Savior. There is no need for a rescue if you can rescue yourself. And here is the beautiful story of Genesis 32. It's a story of you and me. And here, it's not on the screen, but it says, Then the man said, which is God, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Before, Jacob was strong, a person who was able to do things with his own strength, after he encounters God after he receives a new name. He is left with a limp by the hip which is the private area and God needs to touch the private area of our lives. And when God touches our lives everything changes from the inside out and for the rest of his life he will walk with a limp. As Paul had the thorns in the flesh as Jacob had the limp in his walk in his hip we all have thorns. What are they? Acknowledge them, but don't be afraid of them. Why? Just like Paul declared in 2 Corinthians 12 My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Allow God to come. And to rip your world apart and take your world apart. As Jacob with his hip socket, the most private part of your life, may God come and take your world apart. And this scripture has been on my heart to speak. I'm closing with this Proverbs 19, verse 21 many other plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Frederick Beckner, he characterizes this event, Jacob's divine encounter, as the magnificent defeat, surrender of the human soul at the hands of God. May we all do what Jacob did, May we all do what David did. May we all do what Moses did. May we all do what these godly men and women of God did. Surrender. Surrender our fears. Surrender our struggles. The dark parts of our lives. The inner demons. The loneliness. The regrets. And the doubts. Our exhaustion. And our pain. May we rely on his grace today. For his grace is is here. Amen? His grace is here with us. May you, as Paul, declare. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and insults, and hardships, Persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because Christ says to us, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Praise and thanks be to God for our thorns, for our weaknesses. For it is the power of his grace that transforms us and renews us and gives us the steadfastness and the strength to endure this life. I pray for you, men and woman of God, to be strong in the Lord. May you rely on his grace today and forevermore. Amen and amen this time I want to invite the praise team if you guys could make your way up here and I would like to close the service with a time of prayer and time of worship just with our eyes closed before we start singing the song in the whispers of our hearts Can we just turn to the Lord right now and rely on His grace this very morning. Let's trust in Him as Paul trusted in the Lord. For we serve the same God, the same living God, and His name is Jesus Christ. May you delight in Him and place your hopes in Him. May you trust in Him and rely on His grace today. For his grace is here today may be strengthened and renewed can we just come together and just pray together in the whispers of our hearts let us pray together father so grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Lord, may we remember these words that you told Paul when you're sharing those words with us today. Your grace is sufficient for me. Nothing more, nothing less. For your power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Lord, we rely on you. We hold on to you encouraged once again for the encounter and for the encouragement that comes through your word and through worship. May the name of the Lord be glorified Lord, use little us, little me, to do the work that you have called us to do in this one life, one chance that we have. May we hold on to you with everything that we have and may we rely on grace Now, in our feelings, help us, Lord, to forgive ourselves and to move forward. For, God, your grace and your love and your forgiveness surpasses how we see and feel of ourselves. Thank you for the abundant mercy, the abundant kindness, the abundant love, the abundant grace of our lord and our savior we give you all the glory and all the honor may the name of the lord be praised pray all these things and your precious son just christ me pray and god's people pray amen and amen can we all stand to our feet and let's close the service with the victorious heart and attitude and mind let's worship together the path of life in jesus is the only path i know Bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn His face towards you and give you grace. And now, may the God of grace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip us now with everything good in finishing His work. May He work within us what is pleasing in His sight through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people we pray. Amen Amen. and amen.